Welcome back to the Panthers Track Podcast. I know it's been a minute. Of course, Jonathan Alexander is here. I'm the new face, the new voice, Ellis Williams. Hopefully, y'all have been reading mine and Jonathan's coverage, so I'm not a complete stranger. If this is your first exposure to us, then what's good? For longtime readers and listeners, we appreciate your time. At the back end of this podcast, we'll play our interview, Jonathan Alexander's exclusive interview with QB guru Quincy Avery. But before we get into that, let's talk about this rookie quarterback class. All right, let's get right into it, J.A., starting with quarterback guru Quincy Avery, who works with Liberty's Malik Willis. Malik is considered the number one QB in this class, depending on who you talk to, where you look. The Vegas sportsbooks have him as the favorite to be the first quarterback taken. He's the most athletic quarterback in this class. His arm is a cannon, and he seems universally well-liked. The Panthers, of course, hold the number six pick and spent this past week having an in-house top 30 visits with Malik and all the other top quarterbacks in this class, which we'll get into. But sticking with Malik, you were at his pro day. You spoke with Quincy. All that considered, what has impressed you about Malik Willis? And is this the quarterback Panthers fans should want in Carolina, my man? I think uh, probably the most impressive thing, uh, you know, aside from his athleticism, uh, and his potential is, is it just seems like his teammates who are there and the people around just kind of gravitate to him. You can kind of see it when you talk to him in press conferences. He just has like a, a really cool personality uh, and just seems like a guy people would like. Um, you talk to people around him, his teammates, talk to one of his teammates there, Quincy Avery. You know, he's just a really likable guy who cares about football and his faith. Um, and it just seems like a guy you would want to build a franchise around. Now, he has a, a cannon for an arm. Um, you know, there are concerns that he wouldn't be the type of guy you want to start on day one, of course. Um, but they say his upside is the best in the draft. Um, and if your team, you know, looking for a quarterback, then he might be a guy you take a chance on. Now, number six may be a little high, of course, um, but he's definitely somebody who the Panthers – have to take serious uh, when they look at this draft. So when I mentioned that Malik would be the favorite for first quarterback taken, how do you, how do you land on all that? I mean, you and I have been hearing similar things, different things. That's the fun thing about this time of year, right? Um, It's all about the smoke, but there's also enough accuracy in there for us to, to paint a picture. Uh, Would you expect Malik Willis to be the first quarterback taken in this class? Uh, I do just because, um, you know, you look at this class and and many people uh, kind of view this as a weaker quarterback class compared to Mm -hmm. other quarterbacks. And there's a lot of uncertainty there. And I think, uh, you know, if a team takes one of these quarterbacks in the first 10 picks, then it's because they were desperate and they really needed a quarterback. Um, But I do think Malik Willis would be first just because of his upside. You know, I don't think – um, teams in the top 10 will want to take a chance on Kenny Pickett, given that they think he has a floor. Um, sure. Yeah. So, you know, that wouldn't make sense. And, and of course, I've seen a lot of people like a lot of, you know, national commentators, you know, kind of criticize the Panthers because they think that they're going to take him at number six. I just don't see that happen. I think the Panthers recognize that there's a ceiling on, on Kenny Pickett and, 
um, that they wouldn't do that at number six if they were to take Kenny Pickett. So uh, I do think Malik Willis would be the first guy off the board um, because of his upside. I don't know what you think. What do you think? Yeah, it, it, it's interesting when we're breaking down these two quarterbacks. Like you, you watch the Malik Willis tape and you, you see all that upside we've been talking about. Um, I, I see a, a smaller Josh Allen. I see a guy who can really make plays with his feet. He's not the athlete that uh, Michael Vick or Lamar Jackson is, not even close in my opinion. I've had scouts agree with me on that. Uh, but you do see a, a Josh Allen type of runner and the fact that he's extremely effective, uh, deceivingly quick in a way, long strides. Uh, powerful. His lower body is just built a uh, uh, thick like a running back, right? Like you, I mean, you were at the pro day hit and, and seeing him at both. And then at the senior bowl at the, at the combine as well, those calves are huge. The thighs are big. Um, he's a guy who could uh, deliver punishment when need be. Uh, and then when you, when you look at Kenny Pickett, we're really talking about the opposite end of the spectrum here, a guy who many have pegged as the most uh, pro ready, even though I've had some pushback on that. And we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, Kenny Pickett's a guy who scouts have told me that they see someone who can command an offense, uh, be precise in the red zone and be on his spots. I have noticed though, when you watch his tape and and some scouts have agreed with this, that there's parts of his game that they worry will not translate. And that's his off script stuff. Like he, he is a nice athlete, but him bailing in the pocket early, trying to freelance and create some stuff um, at the pro level, scouts worry that that could get him in trouble. So I am with you that to me, that doesn't merit a, a top 10 pick. So, so let me throw it back to you with this, then if the Panthers do pick a quarterback at six, it sounds like the only person you would accept there would be Malik Willis. Yeah, I, I think Malik Willis, you know, because of all the previous reasons I explained, I think if the Panthers take a quarterback at six, then it would be Malik Willis. But I, I also want to say, you know, I don't necessarily think the Panthers will take a quarterback at six. I think the only way the Panthers take a quarterback at six are for these reasons. I think if if somehow the top five went, Evan Neal, Akeem Ekwanu, not in this order, but all these guys were gone. Evan Neal, Akeem Ekwanu. Trayvon Walker, um, Charles Cross, uh, those four guys, I might be missing somebody else, Aiden Hutchinson. If all five of those guys were off the board, then I think they would consider taking Malik Willis at six, or they would try to trade back and, and try to get Malik Willis probably in that eight, in that nine range because they're not going to trade with the Falcons. Um, otherwise, I don't think that they – otherwise, I don't think that they would – uh, take Malik Willis at six unless they just absolutely had to and they couldn't get a trade. So, you know, those are my reasonings why I don't think in I probably I think that they would rather if one of these guys were there, one of those five guys that I mentioned, which Aiden Hutchinson is not going to be there, but the other guys could be there. I think that they would take one of those guys and offensive tackle priority and then the defensive end. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. And we're going to be trying to come to you guys weekly now um, from here on out through the draft, uh, you know, into mini camps and OTAs into training camps, which will all be here before we know it. Uh, it's getting beautiful outside and we'll have time to get into the, the tackles and the tradeback scenarios. But speaking of tradebacks, a quarterback that the Panthers could target if they do so, in my opinion, would be Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati. 
And I, I wrote about it this week. I, I had a scout tell me a, a couple weeks ago that they see Desmond as the perfect blend of Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett, a guy who is very pro-ready, uh, a, a four-year starter. He has the third most all-time collegiate wins uh, in NCAA history behind, like, uh, Kellen Moore and I want to say Colt McCoy, you know, which I don't know if that bodes well because we're talking about college <laughs> legends who don't have much yeah. of a pro resume. Uh, you know, Colt's, Colt's still getting those checks, but, of course, that's not what you're drafting a first-round quarterback for to be a journeyman backup. But my point is, with that type of experience, the only quarterback we're talking about also who had brought his team to the Final Four this past year, a, a scout was keen to remind me of that. Like, look, this this is the only kid who really carried his team to a certain spot, right, to, a, to a, the highest point. Um, so from a readiness standpoint, you, you see why that makes sense with Desmond Ritter. He's got some – inaccuracy issues uh, in the middle of the field, some intermediate stuff. Uh, but then from an athleticism standpoint, you get that mal- shades of Malik Willis where he ran the fastest 40 time of the quarterbacks. Uh, of course, Malik didn't run him, but he ran a 40 time comparable to Marcus Mariota, uh, you know, a faster time than Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr or Russell Wilson. Teams, I've had a couple of scouts tell me that they don't see that speed translate on tape. They think perhaps he could grow into that athlete the way Patrick Mahomes has become so comfortable at picking up yardage uh, on some scramble plays. Uh, so you could see just athletically how Malik, or excuse me, how Desmond performed and tested why he's that nice blend between both quarterbacks and a guy you could get later. When you hear all that, what would be your thoughts on uh, Desmond Ritter? Uh, target either the late first or second round for the Panthers or to find a way into those spots? Yeah, I think, you know, most of the the mock drafts I've seen, um, you know, peg Desmond Ritter as like a second round pick. So, I mean, he may move up into the first round. I'm I'm trying to look at the draft order right now. Um, I guess he could be in play as high as 20, but that may be a reach. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, aside from that, in the first round, there's really after after Pittsburgh, there's really nobody that needs a quarterback. So I just kind of wonder, you know, how how the Panthers would get there uh, in the second round if they really wanted Desmond Ritter, because it just seems like 20 and definitely six would just be too high uh, for a guy like Desmond Ritter. Um, not that he won't be good, um, but, you know, the best value to get him at is the second round. And Panthers don't have a second round pick. We all know that um, trying to get a second round pick. Uh, would be difficult. I think. Let's see where. Uh, where's in? Where do the Steelers have their second round pick? That's a good Steelers question. Steelers second round pick is fifty two. So I don't think you know. You know, Desmond Ritter might not even be there at fifty two if if uh, one of those teams that need a quarterback uh, like Atlanta if they have an earlier pick or Seattle, they have that second round pick um, and they pass on a quarterback in that first round, then they could take one. So I think it would be hard for the Panthers to get Desmond Ritter at a reasonable price. Um, And that's not saying anything about what he could possibly do in his potential, because I'm sure he does have really good potential. Yeah, it's a great point. And that was really the cap on my story. It was like uh, the the scout I talked to, 
thinks that Ritter to Carolina makes a lot of sense, but how that happens is the problem. How do you how do you engineer something like this? And that's that's the beauty of this draft. I mean, as it sits right now, you and me could take day two rounds two and three of the draft off, man. Go go play some golf, go shoot some moves or stuff because the Panthers got quite a break, man. Yeah, for sure. You know, they don't have a, a pick until day three. So, you know, I, I obviously think that they'll try their best to get into day two. How they do that, um, it might be a little more difficult. You got to try to entice somebody to, to uh, you know, trade with you. And the Panthers don't have much uh, draft capital uh, to do that. But, you know, we'll see. Um, it'll be interesting how they do that, but they're going to have to find a way. Um, you also watch Sam Howell, who, you know, I covered for a year, his freshman year. I saw him um, play. Um, how was his pro day? Yeah, Sam Howell's had a had a pretty interesting pro day. Uh, he first he threw the ball really well. I mean, that's what that's what you really can't knock Sam Howell for. He really puts great zip on that ball, great control, um, command. He had some beautiful sideline throws. We're talking uh, to the field, right? So he's on the far hash and he's trying to throw a deep out about 12, 15 yards to the, to the right or to the left. Um, those were on the money. Those are pro throws, really tough ones to drive the ball. And I liked what I saw. Um, I thought he purposely highlighted his footwork throughout the workout. Uh, he would have some simulated rushers kind of come in there and he would have his keep his eyes up and, and, and try to navigate the pocket, uh, of course, with no real rush and throwing on air. Um, and he'd find his target in, in the back of the end zone a couple of times during some red zone stuff. So that um, all of that was great. The, the thing with Sam Howell that stuck with me, I, I was at the combine and had a coach tell me, uh, who, who I've known for a while, he just, he said, look, Sam Howell throws a great ball. You, you, you like the leadership stuff, but he is not going to be able to shake during the pre-draft process. He, this is no projection as a pro. He just said he, during the pre-draft process, he's not going to be able to shake the Baker Mayfield comparisons. And because of the year Baker Mayfield had, that's going to hurt his draft stock. I don't know how fair that is, uh, but I get it. I do. And for having covered Baker Mayfield for two years, we're talking about an undersized quarterback who has to play from the pocket, not as athletic as he thinks he is, can't see the middle of the field. A lot of stuff that scares you off Baker Mayfield. And perhaps we have a Baker Mayfield conversation on this podcast very soon for another day. But um, to wrap that up, a lot to like about Sam Howell, but he's not a guy that, you know, I, I, I doubt Carolina would consider in the first round. Um, and then we, you know, we, we land on a, where we were with Desmond Ritter, like how do how does Carolina position themselves to land a guy like Sam Howell in, a, in the second or third round when, when they don't even have a pick yet? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Sam Howell definitely seems like he's going to go second round. You know, I watched Sam Howell for, you know, I watched him a lot on TV his sophomore year. I watched him in person every single game his freshman year. And Sam Howell, Sam Howell has a beautiful arm, can throw the deep ball. Those are things you you look for in an NFL quarterback. Now, size is definitely a concern uh, for him. And, you know, the fact that, um, you know, he's he ran a lot during his junior year, but he's not really an NFL runner. Um, you know, he took a beat in his junior year because, you know, he didn't have that same protection that he had in previous years and he didn't have the weapons. So you saw him struggle there in his junior year. So I think that all of that is, is giving teams concerns, but, I do think if somebody was to get Sam Howell in in the second round, I think that they could get somebody who is serviceable. That's just my opinion from seeing him 
from knowing the talent he has, he was always clutch. Uh, his teammates seemed to like him. So those are just my opinions. Um, and, and, yeah, no, I, I was just going to say before before we get to the, uh, your exclusive interview, interview with quarterback guru Quincy Avery, I'm wondering, do you have any views on the mystery man that is Matt Corral? I mean, th- this young man uh, didn't throw out the combine, didn't participate in the senior bowl due to injury reasons. Uh, and depending on who you look at on Twitter or when you're surfing, um, he's created some buzz this week. Do, do you have any views on him? Yeah, I think I've talked to some people who, Say they wouldn't be surprised if he was the first quarterback off the board. Uh, See, that's that's incredible stuff. Yeah, and they and they like him as well. The way he throws, his quick release. Um, you know, he can run. Um, you know, I think what hurt him was not being at the combine a little bit because of that ankle injury. Of course, uh, otherwise, I think a lot more people would be higher on him at this point. But you know, like I said, I was told by somebody like, watch out for Matt Corral. Like, he could be. I really think he could be. Um, you know, one of the first, either the first or one of the first quarterbacks off the board. So that wouldn't surprise me. Um, and the Panthers had him in their facility. You know, mm-hmm. they, they they brought him for a top 30 visit. So they obviously got a good look at him. There you have it, a, a name to watch. Um, J.A., anything else you want to touch on before we toss it to this interview? Uh, I think, you know, we're running short on time. So we'll get right into the interview and uh, we'll talk more pretty soon. Awesome. All right. Well, those were the top quarterback prospects. Bringing it down with my man, Jay, and I. Let's toss it to Jonathan Alexander's exclusive interview with quarterback guru, Quincy Avery. What's up, everybody? Jonathan Alexander. I'm joined by Quincy Avery, quarterback's coach, uh, well-known, you know, Quarterbacks coach for a lot of the top black athletes, and I wanted to get him on because the draft is coming, of course. And uh, you know, Panthers are interested in in a few of these quarterbacks in the draft, but particularly Malik Willis. Um, but first, just let me welcome, welcome Quincy. I appreciate your time, brother. What's going on? I appreciate you having me on. Of course, of course. So you know, I want to talk about uh, Malik, and then getting a little bit into your journey. You know, however much time you can permit understand you're a busy man um first let me ask you about Malik how did you you know get connected uh with Malik first of all uh known about Malik for quite some time Malik was actually working with uh Sean McAvoy uh, when he really got started at the quarterback position and Sean and I started working together a few years ago so it was really Sean who introduced this um and we've kind of been, I mean, Sean's been really playing the lead on, on working with Malik for quite some time. Um, just during draft prep, I've been able to help out. and I've been doing the draft prep thing for quite some time, so I've been able to kind of play a point on that. But um, no Malik for years. That's, that's awesome. Um, what do you think about his, his kind of development since you, since you first met him and him getting to this point where he could – easily be a top 10 pick in this draft. Yeah, I mean, the strides and development that he's made has been amazing. He went somebody from somebody who wasn't really getting an opportunity at uh, Auburn to somebody who's now being talked about in terms of being one of the best quarterbacks in drafts, possibly being the 
first quarterback selected in the upcoming draft. Like he's done so many really good things in order to um, develop as a quarterback and a young man. Like he's grown in terms of maturity. Um, he's grown in terms of his ability on the field. And he's grown in terms of consistency. And I think that as people get to know him more as a person, the type of guy that he is when he's in the room, um, when people get the opportunity to be around him, I think that people have a better idea of exactly who he is. Um, and it'll only confirm what many of us, many of us already believe. Yeah. I uh, talked to Malik a couple of times, you know, just through, um, just through uh, interviews. And he just seems like he has a, a cool personality down to earth type, the type of guy you want to be around. <laughs> has he Man, always, you would, you would pay money to be able to hang around Malik Willis. Yeah, he just seems like a, a, a bright kid who just, like, you want to be around. Has he always been that way, and is that one of his special traits? You know, I think that the guys who've been around him, like the young guys who've been around him, have seen those personality traits, those qualities for quite some time. I don't think that Malik has let many adults um, see that side of him until recently. Like, he's gained um, a level of confidence with being himself, being authentic to who he is. And I think, I think that is the coolest thing, that maturation. Like, okay, this is who I am. This is who I'm going to be every day. And I'm going to be consistent in that. And I think that that makes it easier upon everyone because you know exactly what you're going to get with Malik. Uh, he's super, super smart, super funny, and he loves life. And, and you're going to get that every day. But he's also somebody who loves the game of football. Why do you think he is um... – you know, built for this moment to be and why do you think he should be, you know, one of the first quarterbacks, probably the first quarterback off the board um, in this draft? Well, the reason that he should be that is he's the most talented quarterback in the draft. I think that that's really unquestioned and unrivaled. His work ethic is amazing. His love for the game of football. He's a, sim he's a simple guy, and I mean that in the best way. What I mean by that is the things that he likes are just – he likes to play video games. He likes to play football. Um, he likes to work. Like, and he loves God, right? So those are the things that he's focused on. Those are the things that he goes out there and he does every single day. And um, there's not a whole bunch of flash and flair to him. Um, I got to pick on him to buy new clothes. Like, he's got an opportunity to really do anything he wants, get anything he wants in the world right now. And he's just like, I'm good, bro. Like, and now they're his words. I'm good, bro. And, and no, that's so cool to see for somebody that comfortable in their own skin. That's funny. You just sounded like him for a second when you did <laughs> the invitation. Uh, what does he compare to anybody that you've coached in the past or remind you of anybody, even if he's not the same? I mean, knowing that I've coached really, um, mm -hmm. he, he he's literally the most physically gifted, phys like strong, fast, throw hard, throw far. He's, the most I've ever seen. Like, I've never seen anybody. Um, Broke up a little bit. I've been uh, Josh Allen. I've been at, I mean, of course, with Deshaun Watson. Like, I've seen all these guys who we talk about in this rare air. And physical talents, he's, he has those. Yeah. Are you, um, anybody in particular in this draft else that you're uh, coaching? Working with Anthony Brown. I'm working with Derek King. And um, there's a young guy named Ken Howard who's out of uh, UT Martin, who, who also is uh, in our draft, draft crew. Hmm. And 
any anything you think about those guys? Anything you can tell me about something small about those guys? Yeah, so I'll talk about Derek. Um, has the ability to do so many things at the NFL level. He's going to be able to play quarterback. If they need him at wide receiver, he'll be able to do that. Like, he's going to be the ultimate utility guy because he is a talented enough thrower to actually be a quarterback in the NFL. And he's also good to know that. Like, as a true freshman, he was the punt returner at the University of Houston. Like, those – that's not a small – he's up there dominating that. Anthony Brown's upside is through the roof. He has – if you watch the Ohio State game, you'd be like, I want this – like, what? how early do I have to – draft him to get this guy and then of course there were some moments that you saw him playing you're like wow this is not that good like he did some things like that but the capability the talent's there I think that he needs the opportunity to put it all together and I think that he will and then Keon somebody from a smaller school uh, just these opportunities somewhere whether it's CFL NFL whatever that looks like he needs opportunities so he can go out there and play ball and he's going to be successful yeah now I read um you know the story Les Carpenter and the Washington Post running you. I thought it was a great story. I think I encourage people to to read that. But can you tell me a little bit about your journey and how you you became interested in in tutoring and mentoring and, and coaching um, black quarterbacks and why you think it's a, it's important? Uh, I had a playing career at Morehouse College. Got done playing, and then I knew that I wanted to get involved in in coaching football, and I was looking for an opportunity to do that and, and nothing was becoming apparent in terms of how I was going to do that. So drove across the country, went to UCLA and I sat on the couch and I was sitting on the couch and just waited and waited for an opportunity to talk to the head coach. Saw him one day, he was like, no. Saw him the next day, he said, no. And then the final day, he was like, all right, I'll see you later in my office. We started talking. He happened to know some people that my father knew because my father had coached the NFL. So of course, I was fortunate in that way um, that my father had the coach in the NFL, but I also just sat there and just waited. So I, I worked at UCLA for two years and lived in the locker room, didn't have an opportunity um, to really, like, really make any of a living. And I just saw so many tapes coming in in terms of evaluation at the position, and I'm like, these kids need help. There's got to be something that I can do to help these guys get better. So I uh, moved to Atlanta lived out of my car for a couple of years and just reached out to guys in order to try and help them be a quarterback. And I got little to no response. And then finally one day, uh, Josh Dobbs responded to one of my Facebook messages, gave me an opportunity to start training him. It went really well. Uh, he made the lead 11. In the lead 11, I met guys like Deshaun Watson, I met guys like Dwayne Haskins. I met so many other young guys, but I got to be a um, – like one of the driving forces of quarterback training in, 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 in North America. And it's been a really cool journey to now be one of the faces of that. Awesome. It, before I move on any further, you mentioned Dwayne Haskins. Rest in peace to Dwayne Haskins. Heard nothing but great things. And my prayers are with his family and his wife and you know, all those who, and you as well, all those who were touched by that. Do you have any um, any any stories you'd like to share about, you know, Dwayne or anything like that? Anything that make you smile? No, Dwayne is just a, a a really good kid and just a good person. And I think that as you talk to anybody who knew Dwayne, they would say nothing but great things about who he was as a person. He loved life. He was fun, full of energy, and every day he brought that. So, and he was 
he's a kid. And I think that people need to be mindful of that as they talk about it. Like, the person that I was at 24 is not the person that I am now. Um, if I were to die at 24 and I have the opportunity to live to where I am today, it would be much different. And I think that if Dwayne would have the opportunity to continue to grow and continue to live a full life, like, they wouldn't just be that he was a great person. Like, I think we would be able to talk about him being a great NFL football player too. And I'm, I'm sad that he didn't get to um, get that opportunity because I know he was working really hard for those things. Uh, and I was happy to see him like start to turn a corner in that way. Like really, really be able to um, be the football player that he wanted to be. And that was, that made me proud. I was just thinking, in fact, Dwayne was supposed to, uh, you're supposed to be in Atlanta today. Uh-huh. We just we just sent a text about that. So yeah. Sad. Yeah. It was, it's it was so interesting that you just said, you know, the person you get 24 is different than the person you guys said. I I promise you, I was thinking that when he when I saw his age. Like I'm 31 now. Seven years ago, I was so different than who I am. Even in that, what you would think is a short time, it just feels so long ago. And um that hurt you know, for me, because I just felt like he had so many years. I didn't even know him, but, you know, just that fact, being a, a, a young black man with the a, the smile he had, it just hurt because it's like seven years was such a long time ago for me. He had such a long life um, ahead of him. Um, so I thought of that immediately. You know, I don't know people, I don't know when people, you know, you know, initially put out their tweets or said what they said. I don't know if they really realized that you know, he was a human being. Yeah. Um, yeah, social media is a cruel place that um, doesn't necessarily, they don't, I don't think that they think about the things that they're saying in, in a way that everybody's human. You don't even think about when you tweet it tonight. Like, you don't think about the human element in that. It is, I mean, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. And then the the video of him saying he wanted to go to Ohio State, man, that almost makes you want to cry. But, <laughs> yeah, but um, I appreciate your you know, you speaking a little bit on him. Um, I want to ask you another question about Malik. What um, mm-hmm. what was the first time when you saw when you noticed him? You were like, oh, this kid's gonna be special. In any, terms of Malik, when did, when yeah. did I think that? Yeah, any any play, any throw he made that you were like, oh, yeah, you know, there was, whenever we worked out, you always saw flashes like, oh shit, like damn, I can't believe he could do that. And that was really cool to see. But in the games, he wasn't necessarily given the opportunity to do many of those things. The first game, I think it was the first game. It was a game early on in the season, his first year as a starter. He throws a post that probably only got up the ground 12 yards the entire time that was in the air. And it was in the air for about 50, like 56 yards. It was one of the most amazing throws that I've ever seen and that's when I'm like oh this isn't just the workouts this is every single day this is on the field this is quarterbacking at a very very high level and then when he carried his team against Virginia Virginia Tech I'm like okay well I think that he's got an opportunity to get drafted like he's gonna be the guy yeah absolutely do you um could you see him being one of these Top at, at some point, I get he maxes my maxes his potential, and one of the next big 
um, quarterbacks in the NFL? Undoubtedly. If he's able to maximize his potential, he's going to be the sky's limit. Well, Quincy, I, I appreciate it. That's what I have for you, man. And I'm, I'm super grateful for your time and being able to speak with me, man. I know you're busy. For man. sure. Yeah, it means a lot. Appreciate it. Appreciate of course. it. That is a wrap. Thanks, y'all, for tuning in to another edition of the Panthers Tracks podcast. Please subscribe to our Panthers coverage at charlotteobserver.com slash sports. Until next time, y'all, take care.